This podcast is brought to you by AD Banker and Company. They help you meet your insurance continuing education deadline in ways not as boring as you'd think. Go to a live in-person class or choose a webinar, which will come to you. Learn more at adbanker.com. David Stansfield is an award-winning agency owner in Fort Collins, Colorado. In 1994, he interviewed with farmers and the district manager at the time told them that he was too young and should work for another agent. He interviewed with another company and they told him that he should work as a claims adjuster. He later decided to work for another farmer's agent to get some experience, and approximately one year later, he opened his own agency. His first year in business, he waited tables at night and sold insurance during the day. The owner of the restaurant caught David giving customers his business cards for insurance and asked him to stop. A few weeks later, he decided he needed to resign from their restaurant, and he determined that he cannot fail. Failure was not an option. He put everything into his business, and he's built it to now where it includes in excess of 8,900 policies in force. Coincidentally, two years after leaving that restaurant, he insured the restaurant owner and facilities, and that included the owner's business insurance, the restaurant's workers' compensation, and the owner's personal auto and home insurance. David is a graduate of Colorado State University with a degree in business administration and a minor in Spanish. Please welcome to our program, David Stansfield. Welcome to our program uh, today, uh, David, uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you for dialing in. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. See, uh, for our guests, uh, David Stansfield is a very successful farmer's agent uh, there in Fort Collins, Colorado. You've been at this since it looks like uh, in the early 90s. Uh, David, tell us, uh, our listeners, a little bit about your agency and what you do there in Fort Collins. Yeah, I'm a multi-line agency and started approximately in August of 1994 for farmer's insurance and uh, fast forward approximately 22 years, a little bit more than that later, and uh, we uh, have built up the largest agency in the state of Colorado and uh, have uh, we did have about 9,900 policies and then we sold uh, one of our satellite offices, so now we're running approximately 9,000 policies. And I think what makes us a little bit different than most multi-line agents is we are very balanced. We uh, have a lot of financial services, a lot of life insurance, a lot of commercial, a lot of specialty, meaning boats and RVs, a lot of auto and fire. And so one of the advantages, I would say, for us versus a lot of other multi-line agents is we don't just write one line of business. We're very, very well balanced, and it's kind of helped us weather the the ups and downs of any uh, insurance business. When things get tough in one market, we're able to, you know, cross-sell and and, uh, build the other book of business up. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I noticed that you had two locations and then you sold one and consolidated in one. Was that something that just fits you better, uh, being able to focus on one location? Did you feel like you were spread too thin or what was the decision-making process to consolidate back into one core location? Yeah, I think a lot of agents is, is a lot of agencies as they grow, they 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 say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up another office, and and I know some agents that have four, five, six locations, and and so I looked at them and basically said, if they can do it, so can I, 
And so I set up a second office in uh, Windsor, Colorado, and uh, built that up and basically then found myself that I was running back and forth between both offices, and I didn't feel that it was right for the clients there. So um, I was able to find a buyer for that business, and he took over that, that agency over there. And so far, it's worked out fine. But I think what I learned out of that is um, I, just for me personally, I seemed that I was better running one office where I can, you know, motivate, communicate, set goals with my employees. A lot easier to have everything in one location versus having it in two locations. Um, doesn't mean that that is the right or wrong way. That's just what worked best for me. So, you know, my advice, if you're going to do that, just make sure that, that you think you can run another location and understand that there's a lot of pros and cons to that. And it does take a lot of time away from your, you know, from your original location. Yes. Yes. It does make sense to, to think of it that way. Uh, say I uh, noticed that uh, you had an interesting uh, childhood. I want to kind of go back and see where you came from and how you, you know, we'll get to how you got in the business in a moment. Uh, but I was looking at your bio and it said that, uh, uh, you, you probably are most the most uh, eloquent English speaker I have on the the radio podcast here. But it says that you spoke uh, Spanish until you were age seven. Uh, what was the circumstances? Yes, I was very fortunate. My mother give you a little bit of background of of myself. Uh, my mother was from Spain and my father was American, so I grew up speaking Spanish as a first language. Actually, I was what's known as an ESL kid, English as a second language. And so we lived in Spain as a child. I lived in Mexico, and I also lived in Nicaragua. And so I grew up speaking Spanish, and then we moved to uh, Boulder, Colorado, when I was approximately seven years old and, and didn't know hardly any English at all, enrolled in a public school, even though I was American, and uh, enrolled in public school there. And, and I remember the first week of class, the teacher pointing to a book and saying, you know, what's the name for a dog in English? And I couldn't even remember that, or I didn't know the name for a dog. I said it in Spanish, which is perro. And so, you know, I, I, it was interesting for me because Spanish is, was always my first language. And, and being American, you wouldn't think that an American would have English as a second language, but I was one of those. And, and, uh, Thank goodness public school and public education was good, and they, they did educate me to speak English fine today. And, and now uh, I would say that my English is much better than my Spanish. I can definitely have, I definitely can speak Spanish still, and my insurance Spanish is very good, um, but my English is far, far better than my Spanish. Um, it does come in very handy. One of the advantages that we have in this office is I'm bilingual, and we also have four other bilingual employees. And so it allows us to go visit different businesses that have Spanish-speaking owners, and and uh, it really builds trust immediately that we can speak to them in, in their native language, which would be Spanish. Um, one of my long-term plans is also maybe to hire someone who speaks uh, Korean or Mandarin. Um, I'm a big believer in, in uh, you know, targeting different languages and, and uh, working with different owners of, of different uh, countries. So that's just something that, that is another long-term goal of mine. That's really neat. That's neat. Uh, yeah. What was your family circumstances that uh, took your, your parents from uh, those countries to then settle in uh, Colorado? So both of my, uh, both my mother and my father were both college professors. And so they, they traveled around a lot. And then for a while there, my, my father was director of the Peace Corps in Nicaragua. And so I moved there with him in, in uh, 1976, moved to Manawa, Nicaragua, in, in the middle of a civil war. 
and uh, the war got very bad there. It was uh, between the Sandinistas and Samosa, and uh, the war got bad. And after about a year there, my father said, "You know, you you need to get out of here." It was a very, it was a very tough time there. There was bombings on the street, you know, random shootings everywhere. And so my father was somehow able to get me to the airport and get me out of out of Nicaragua, out of Manawa, and uh, so. Uh, did that for some time and then came back to, to Florida. My, my uh, grandparents took care of me in, in Daytona Beach, Florida for about a year. And then uh, my father ended up coming home. And, and uh, after that, we lived in, in Boulder for a while, both my mom and, and my, my father. Um, they were just always uh, traveling a lot as a, as a kid. And I think between going to different uh, colleges and, and being professors, they, they kind of liked that lifestyle. And they I think they, they put me in the middle of that, whether I like it or not. And and in a weird way, I think it's probably made me a little bit more open today. Um, you know, I, I look at people differently. I look at cultures differently, and I respect uh, people where they come from. And, and it just, I think, gives me a, an advantage where I have a very open mind to, to different things. Yes. Now, I noticed you graduated from Colorado State uh, uh, there in Fort Collins. Is that where they then settled uh, in to, to teach and carry on their, their teaching uh, careers? Yeah, so so my father ended up uh, in Washington D.C. for a while, and he was uh, um, he worked for a, a testing company there, and he designed foreign language tests. My mother was a professor at Colorado State University, and she taught Spanish, and so that was in Fort Collins. So I decided to move here with her, and uh, and ended up graduating there with a degree in business and a, and a minor in Spanish. And uh, the, the minor obviously was very easy for me, and uh, I, I knew I wanted to get into some type of business. I always thought I would want to do one of two things, and that was either uh, do something in insurance or be an attorney. And after graduating from uh, CSU, I decided I don't know if I want to go back anymore to, to go to law school, so that's when I decided to get into the insurance business. Yeah. And um, if you'd like, I can give you a little bit of history of how my career progressed after that, too, yeah. if you're interested in yeah. that. Tell us about your first job out of college, or what did you do? Did you have a job, part-time job in college that you yeah. uh, look so, back so at and I, think, well, boy, I, I think when I grow up, I don't want to have to do this for a living? So when I was in college, uh, I did work as a waiter and uh, also mowed lawns in the summer. And uh, But at night, I did wait tables. And uh, right out of college, uh, I did work for a company called uh, Pace Membership Warehouse, which is basically like Sam's Club. And I worked in their marketing department. And funny story there was um, we had quotas that we'd have to meet every week. And I was one of the new young employees there, just 23 and graduated. And and everyone in that team basically said, hey, you know, don't 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 work too hard. And so usually what would happen is after about three to four days, I would meet the quota. And so I was able to take the fifth day off of work. And that was always my goal was, okay, if you're going to give me a quota, let me see if I can meet it earlier than later. And so um, it was nice because I would usually work four days, and then I was able to take the, the fifth day off from that job. And so that was very nice. Um, then about a year after that, Pace got bought out by Sam's Club or Walmart Corporation. And I just decided, you know, I want to I wanna own my own business, and I want to become self-employed, and I want to have the, the benefit of having the flexibility of that, and I'd like to, to build the business my way. And so I, I left that good-paying job, and uh, um, I went interviewed for uh, a position at State Farm, and then State Farm basically said, you're too young-looking, and this is, you know, about 22 years ago, 23 years ago. 
And so they suggested I become a, a claims adjuster, and I decided, no, I really wanted to open up an agency. So I interviewed with farmers. Farmers, uh, the local manager basically told me the same thing. You're too young looking, but so why don't you work for another agent for a year and get some experience? So I did that. I worked for that agent for about a year, and then he passed away. His son took over, and uh, his son basically offered me a position there, and I just decided, no, I think I'm going to start my own agency with farmers. And so it was a very easy transition for me because I had all the experience of working for that other uh, agency and then started my own business. And it's it's a great way for agents to learn the business is to work for somebody else. I highly recommend that if you have that option. And so from there, from there, I, my business grew very, very rapidly. Um, funny story about that is once I became my own agent, um, again, money was tight. You know, when you're starting a business, there's not a lot of income coming in. And so... I waited tables at night and then sold insurance during the day. And uh, one day the owner of the restaurant caught me giving out my business card to some of the, the restaurant uh, clients there. And, uh, and you know, we just, to this day, it's, it's always kind of a funny story because about two years after I left that restaurant, I ended up insuring all his restaurants and his personal business too. Yeah. So yeah. you just never know where life's going to take you that way. And what kind of restaurant uh, was it? Uh, it was a it was a very nice high end steak and seafood restaurant, yeah. and so you know I was a enjoyed being a waiter there. And but my goal was as I would give people their check at night, I would always worked at night. You know I would hand them my business card and in my my the normal thing I would say to them is if you ever need insurance, you know my name's David Stansfield. Feel free to give me a call on the local agent. And so I did that you know at least five to ten times a night. So David, after you uh, uh, started your first agency and you really went into it full time, uh, tell me about uh, your first customer. Uh, you know, take me back to, uh, you know, where did that first transaction occur and how did your paths cross? So my first customer uh, was his name was Skip, and just to keep his name, his last name out for confidentiality, I'll do that. But my first customer was Skip, and he was a. Uh, a person who came into the office referred to us by, I think, a, a realtor, and we wrote up a mobile home for Skip. And to this day, 22 years later, I, sh I still insure Skip. But the best part is we were able to not only offer him mobile home, now he owns a home, he's got three cars, and he also has two life insurance policies with us. And there was a point where he had also started a, a business, and we insured that business for him also. But to me, the most amazing thing and that I take a lot of pride in is my first customer, Skip. I still have Skip, and uh, I, I, I have a lot of respect for that person, and I would do you know, everything I can to, to – I think it just instills the values that we have as an agency and me as a human being that I don't want to lose that, that first client because that first client is, is probably my most important one, and I still insure them 22 years later today. Nice, nice. Uh, how long did it take you to establish yourself to where you wanted to commit to an office uh, and uh, actually put down your flag and uh, rent space and open your store? agents start they don't have a lot of money and so we were we we found an office on the second story of a building and it's a it's a great story because we had no visibility at all up there we didn't even have a sign but in those days the rent was included with the, the heat electricity all those expenses were included in the rent and i just didn't have a lot of money so we rented upstairs we actually had to walk down a hallway and then we were in the hallway in there. So, again, you couldn't even see us from the road. 
But I remember thinking, okay, this is my first office, so I need to take some pride in it. So we went out and we bought some inexpensive furniture at a local furniture furniture store. And the little sign that we had up in the window was just a, a, a sign that we'd made on a printer. And it just said, Farmers Insurance, C. David Stansfield Agency. We built that business up very, very quickly, even though we had zero visibility. My goal was real simple, was I'm not going to sit around my office and think about what I can do. I need to get out of the office and think and, and, and actually do something. And I think a lot of agents make that mistake. They sit around and they think about all the things they could be doing. I've always had the attitude of don't, don't stop and think, actually get out and do it. And so I would make it my goal to basically get out of that office two or three times a day. And so within about three years, we had built up that agency to over about 800 policies, which was very rapid growth for an agent that really had zero visibility. And so it was just a very fast-growing operation. Five years after we opened that office, you know, I then decided, okay, we're, we basically had outgrown it. And so we moved to a different location, and we tripled the size of that office. And we went from basically 500 square feet to about 1,500 square feet within five years. And then over time, we, we expanded even past that to where we are today. Now, when you, you have now, uh, what, 11 or 12 staff members uh, and uh, people in your agency, where, where were you when you decided, I need help? Uh, when you, you obviously started out alone, but at some point along the way, you said, uh, gosh, I need help. And, and how did that come about? So when, when agents first start, they, a lot of times it's very difficult to figure out where do I hire someone? How can they help me? And I think with me, what I realized was when I'm sitting in the office waiting for the phone to ring, that's not time well spent. So the first thing I did was look at my agency, and I remember this, where you know I was starting to get busy, starting to get busy, starting to get referrals in this small office, but I was, I was picking up the phone a lot, answering calls, and I thought, okay, I need to hire someone to help me with this part of my business, and that's basically to pick up the phone and help customers, and then my goal was, okay, my strength is building a business, bringing people in. So when I hired that first person, I basically said, okay, your goal is very simple. It's to answer the phones, talk to them about coverages, take claims payments, all the things that we do on a daily basis. And then my goal is to get out of the office two or three days a week so we can keep getting the phone to ring and let's work together to make this you know, a larger business. So that's going back 22 years. That's what I looked at for me is my strength was being outside, meeting people, shaking hands, making them feel comfortable with me, communicating, trust, all of those things. So that was how I, I decided to do that. Um, over time, the phones got busier and busier. And so that one person, there was a lot for them to do. And then I was also in there answering the phone when I wasn't out on the field. So then I decided to hire a producer. And so I found a, a commercial producer who worked for another uh, farmer's agent in those days. And so he came on board, and I didn't have a lot of money to, to pay him, and a lot of new agents just don't have that revenue source that, that you would later on as you're a larger agency. So I had to figure out a creative way to pay him. So I basically paid him a flat hourly rate, but then what I did is I decided, okay, I'm going to pay him more of a bonus. And so I bonused him about 70% of the new business commissions, 
So that way he had an incentive to help grow the business. And then he was with me about six, seven years and at the end was making very, very good money. And then I think just decided to, you know, to do something different. But that's, that's kind of how I, I built it up in the beginning. And then I think about four years, four years into the business, I had about four or five employees. And uh, and I just have built it up since then. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, what did you uh, what do you find in terms of the day to day operations that you feel you do really well as an agency, and what really makes it hum? So, being a larger agent, you have different challenges than you do as a as a new agent. And I actually think it's easier to be a new agent than it is to be a larger agent. A larger agency has so many distractions that that happen to them on a daily basis. Right now, I've got 12 staff, and so I always have situations where I have to talk to them about goal setting, you know, accountability, recognition, where when it was just me and maybe one or two other people, it was a lot easier to manage that, and I had a lot more time. I've noticed as I... As agencies get larger, seems like the owners have less time because, you know, we're being pulled in so many different directions that maybe we weren't when we were smaller. Um, hopefully that answers that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you uh, obviously you've built it from scratch to uh, literally thousands of agencies, um, if you had a do-over, uh, can you think back of an experience or a practice uh, that you had early on or somewhere along the way that you thought, well, if I had a do-over, I would have uh, tackled that uh, in a different way? Yeah, you know, the question is about doing something differently. I I always think of, you know, when you're new as an agent, you can make a lot of mistakes. And I think you get, a, you get into a lot of situations that a lot of agents don't like to talk about, and that's being ethical and being honest. And as an agent, you know, it doesn't matter what company you work for, you're their field underwriter. And over 22 years of experience and making mistakes along the way, I've learned that you really need to do a good job as a field underwriter. And I take that very, very serious. Along the way, I think sometimes people make mistakes, but I've learned that those mistakes can come back and bite you, and they always will. You know, as an example, maybe you see or you write a household with some adults, and then you've got some kids in the household, and you think, no, we don't need to rate for those kids, you know, because we're going to save that, that household the premium. Um, but ultimately, it hurts the whole industry when you do that. You need to do things correctly, and that's just one example of, of do things right, would be the best advice that I can give a new agent. Do things right, do things ethically, and you can sleep well at night, you can make a good living, and you present yourself well to your carriers, whoever they are, and then eventually, when you when they start seeing that you have a good book of business and that you're a good field underwriter, it comes back to you in other ways where they might give you some credits, they might give you a little bit of leeway on different risks, but if you show that you're not a good field underwriter, it's it's eventually it's going to, in my opinion, it may put you out of business or or another situation is you just don't get things issued like you would with with you know, uh, someone who's doing a good job field underwriting. David, what was one of the things that you maybe struggled with or you had to overcome the inertia to really focus on to propel you forward uh, over the years? So when I started again, 
it's easy to be a great salesperson. Most agents are good salespeople, but good salespeople don't always make good managers or good leaders. And so I struggled with being a good manager, being a good leader, being a good motivator for my staff. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I've learned a lot of positive things and a lot of what didn't work, what does work today. And so I would, here's a funny story. When I started, we grew, grew, grew very rapidly. You know, farmers loved us. We win awards. We get to travel. We get the benefits of being an agent for a, a company that really says that, that, that the agency is growing. Three or four years into it, I pretty much lost all of, every single employee that I had. I lost them all. I came in one day, and it was a mutiny at the Stansfield Agency, famous line. I came in, two quit, and the other one said, well, then I'm out of here too. And so at that point, my wife had to leave her job, and she had to come in and help me build my, my business back up. And so it was very challenging for me because I found that I'm a great salesperson, but I wasn't a good manager. So I had to learn how to motivate and how to lead my employees. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm a lot better than I was. And, you know, now we have very little, if any, turnover. Most of my employees have been with me 10, 12, 17, 18 years. In fact, after that mutiny where everyone left, a lot of the same people that came on on that second part of my career are still with me today. So it was very hard and humbling experience for me. And I see that a lot today. I see a lot of agents that call me with questions or, you know, they'll say, I have an employee problem. How should I handle it? And I, I, I can tell them just from 22 years of experience, here, here's how to handle that situation while, you know, keeping that employee happy. That's the key today. Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation, and uh, that adaptability uh, uh, is obviously important to, to, to move and grow. Uh, what do you find, kind of pulling it back to the agency itself and the day-to-day things, you know, what's uh, the change? You know, what change are you experiencing right now that's having uh, that's the greatest impact on your day-to-day business of your agency? There's a lot of changes that, that new agents have that, that we didn't have in the past. The number one change is we've got a lot of market barriers that are affecting our business. Obviously, people are buying a lot of insurance online, and I think that a lot of the carriers are having profitability issues because they have to pay agent commissions. And I think it's something that people don't like to talk about, but it is it is the reality of our of our world now. So how do we deal with that as an agency? Well, we still want to pay our staff well. We still want to motivate them, keep them happy. We want to recognize good good behavior. But yet some of the carriers, you know, they might be cutting commissions. Their underwriting might be getting more strict. So, again, you know, you can choose to sit there and worry about all that and feel sorry for yourself. Or you can just view it as, okay, I still have a gold mine out there. I can specialize in life insurance. I can specialize in investments or commercial or home or specialty or annuities, you know, whatever it is you feel like you're good at. And if, if there comes a time where it's something you're not good at that, then instead of, again, viewing it as, as a negative, which happens to all of us because we're in that underwriting cycle right now, I, I go, okay, look at the pie that I have. I've got 15, 20 different products that I can sell. Let's make the best of the other 18, of the other 18 products right now. So those are some of the challenges that I would say that we have. And there are challenges trying to remain 
positive all the time. It is a very challenging business now, again, with, you know, online uh, sales, different changes in the industry. Um, you have to stay positive. And even today, you know, driving to work, you know, I, I found myself trying to say something positive to myself. And my simple statement today was, today is going to be the best day that I'm going to have in all of April. It's the end of April, and I'm going to make today the best day that I'm going to have in all of April. And that might mean as simple as coming in and saying good morning to everyone, and instead of dwelling on something negative that they did that day, um, I try to dwell on something positive and then or maybe just being very positive with phone calls from clients, thanking them for their business, doing things a little bit differently. So all in all, I would say keeping positive is another key point that we have to do every single day today. Wow. Well, yeah, it's uh, I know you've in looking at your resume. It's really too long to list over the air. That's the kind of resume and awards you've gotten. You know, you're, you were number one in this and number two in that and top five of this and top 10% of that along the way. Uh, so you've accomplished, obviously, a lot. But as you look forward, say, to the next three years uh, or so in the business, what excites you most about what's coming down the road in your agency? That's a tough question. What, what excites me most? Um, I, I think, and I wasn't prepared for that one, um, I'm, I always think of the past. I tend to concentrate. I always tell people there's two types of people out there. There's people that think of the past, and there's people that, there's people that think about the future. I've always thought about the past, which makes no sense to most people, but that's how my mind goes. But I would say looking at the question objectively of what excites me most about the future, um, you know, I, I, I honestly, I'm a little worried about driverless technology, different things like that that could disrupt our industry. There's a lot of different websites and, and different ways of people buying insurance like Lemonade.com, things that kind of take the agent out of the picture. But my attitude of that is I can either worry about it or not, and maybe I can do something positive with that. So I guess looking at my career with farmers or any other agent that's out there, Look, looking at disrupting the business, maybe look at how you personally or your agency can disrupt that business. And that's something that I think about a lot. I'm always thinking about ways that I can disrupt the business in a positive way. Maybe doing something creative with websites or doing something creative with marketing. So I would say the industry is changing, as we've talked about. The next three years, however it changes, I'm going to look at some of that and try to incorporate it into my business. And I and I will do something that disrupts the business. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's great. It's uh, it's a. I appreciate that. And I wanted to uh, ask you a little bit of a question about your your parents. Um, what was uh, an example or some advice that uh, that you uh, received from your parents that you find is still applicable? Uh, to you and your family today? Yeah, my father used to always tell me that, you know, hard work will lead to success. And and he was kind of a rags-to-riches story, my father. And so I didn't have anything given to me. You know, my parents were, were middle-income people. Later on in life, they did very well. But I, I took that, that work ethic and I incorporated it into my business. So I would say... It is all about hard work and, and also being positive. 
you have to be positive. You can be a hard worker, but if you're not a positive person and you don't show that positive to others, you don't have a good, you know, nonverbal or verbal communication, all those things are going to hurt you. So I would just say that the main message is you can, if, if, if he can do it or she can do it, then so can you. And that would be the message that I, that I think I learned from them is, Anyone can do something positive if they just choose to do it, and hard work can lead to, to success. And I know it's been said over and over, but I think sometimes it comes down to just something as basic as that. If, if you're driven and you have a mindset of, I'm not going to fail, which was my mindset when I started, I'm not going to fail. I have to, I have to make it in this business. I have to make it. There's no other option. You will do well. And that's, I think, the message that my, that my, my parents gave me. That's good. Uh, now, if I were to ask you that same question, could you give me an answer in Spanish? Sure. So they asked the question again as, what did your father or mother instill in you that you think is still applicable to your family and your business today? Mi mamá y mi papá, cuando eran jóvenes, siempre me enseñaron que debes de trabajar muy duro, y eso es muy importante. Y el mundo puede ser tuyo si quieres que sea el mundo. Y es eso lo que me, me dieron para mí cuando era joven. Yo todavía en mi negocio, en mi vida, yo pienso lo mismo hoy. Es tan importante ser positivo y pensar que yo puedo hacer todo lo que el mundo me ofrece y puedo trabajar tan duro y yo puedo subir la montaña, yo puedo hacer todo positivo y puedo crecer mi negocio si yo trabajo muy duro. That was wonderful. And for our guest to let you know, this is uh, David Stansfield, uh, who is a very successful farmer's agency owner in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, David, it's been a delight to uh, have you on the show today. Thank you, Dennis. It's an honor for me to, to, to speak to everyone. Oh, hi, you're still here. Say, if you are interested in reaching thousands of licensed insurance producers across the country, why not consider sponsoring a guest podcast? If you had sponsored this episode, we would be telling thousands of listeners daily about you and your company. Find our contact information to request prices and availability at insuranceradio.com.